0: Our reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. At that time Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for forty days and forty nights, and afterwards he was hungry. The tempter approached and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Jesus said in reply, It is written, One does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and made him stand on the parapet of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their magnificence. And he said to him, All of these I shall give to you, if you will prostrate yourself and worship me. At this Jesus said to him, Get away, Satan. It is written, The Lord your God shall you worship, and him alone shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, we always invite the children to come down for a children's homily, and I see they're coming in the back door right now. So I invite all the children to come down. Yes. Oh, we got a nice group this morning. How are y'all this morning? Okay. So I have a book here. It's called the Book of Temptation. Hmm. What is a tem- what is temptation? Anybody know? Well. Sometimes you've seen this picture before. No, I've seen a different people like that. That's right. They're big, that's right. Okay. Here's a little boy, and here's an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other shoulder. And what do you think the angel and the devil are doing? Evil and good. Evil and good. That's right. See and see. The devil is tempting this little boy. And he's saying, even though your mommy told you not to eat any more cookies, she's not watching. You can eat some more cookies. It's a temptation to do something that you know is wrong. And the angel is saying, don't do it. Don't do it. It's not good. Even if your mommy doesn't catch you, you'll know you did something wrong. And you'll catch yourself. So a temptation is sometimes when our mind starts arguing with itself. And we have, on the one hand, we say, oh, we want to, we, there's something bad that we want to do. But on the other hand, we know we should always do good, right? And sometimes we can argue with ourselves about that. And that's called a temptation. And in kind of a picture, you put in a picture like this, you can kind of have a devil and an angel. You can imagine that they're both inside your head, one telling you to do bad and the other telling you to do good. No, I'm not going to read it. That's a lot of temptations. That's a big book. A lot of temptations, right? We're not going to read all these temptations. But here's the, here's the answer to every time you're tempted. Always do what God wants you to do. And God always wants you to do right and to be good and to be truthful. To obey your parents, to study hard at school, to become a good person, to take care of, those, of your friends when, they, when they're in need, if they need help, to help them. God wants you to do good and that's not just not doing bad, that's being helpful to others as well. So when you're tempted, you know the word temptation, think of this picture, and then you'll know always to do good, alright? Okay, you can go back to your parents now. Thank you so much for coming up. Here, you can read all those temptations. Um, <laughs> In our readings today, we have this story of two temptations. There is the temptation of Adam and Eve by the serpent in the, in the garden, who is the devil, of course. And then we have the temptation of Jesus in the desert, who is visited by the devil and is tempted to disobey his father. Or more, not just to disobey, but also to abuse his father, right? To abuse his father's power and the gifts that God has given to Jesus. Now, when you think about these two temptations, Adam and Eve had a better shot, right? Look at where they are. They're in the Garden of Eden. They're in paradise. They enjoy this beautiful relationship with God where they walk with God in the cool of the day. They can tell God any of their problems. God always takes care of them. They have all the food that they, they want, that they need to eat. They're taken care of. Everything is good for them. But then we look at Jesus. Where is he? He's in a desert. He hasn't eaten for 40 days. The scripture says he was hungry. That's one of those great understatements of the Bible, right? Right? Jesus hasn't eaten in 40 days, and oh, by the way, he was hungry. So Jesus is in that point where his natural self would want to do something like turn stones to bread to take care of himself, right? Rather than submit himself to his Father and let God do what he wants with him. Adam and Eve had everything that they wanted or needed, but yet... Through the tempter's lie, they were, they succumbed to temptation and they walked the path of disobedience. Now in the Garden of Eden, we know it's like, it's a beautiful garden, all right? There are fruit trees and there are plants and everything is there for them. And this story we often think of as a Bible story, right? We think of this as a Bible story. But actually this story predates the Bible by thousands and thousands of years. In the earliest temple ever discovered, it's in southern Turkey, it's called the Göbekli Tempe. And this temple is this massive recreation of the Garden of Eden with all the groves of trees around and they're arranged in a spiral and you wind your way to the center of Of all this groves of trees and there are two giant stone trees which happen to look a great deal like towel crosses for all you Franciscans here and that is the center of this temple of worship that is the center of the garden the two trees the two trees there's the tree of life and there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil Adam and Eve, through their disobedience, gave to all of us the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They forced it upon us, that we are all born with this ability to discern right from wrong. And in discerning right from wrong, we can become judgmental, can't we? We become like God, judging others and judging ourselves but Jesus in his in his temptation refuses to succumb to the temptations of the devil he uses scripture interestingly he uses the law to rebuke the devil and say that man will not live by bread alone but by every word by the word that comes from God's mouth. And him alone shall you worship, him alone shall you serve. The singularity of focus of Jesus, that he would rebuke the devil to be able to serve God and God alone. Now when Adam and Eve sinned, it created our natural state the way we live, the way we're born. We're born knowing the ability to know right from wrong, good from evil. Jesus, through his obedience, changed our natural state. It's called an ontological change, which is a big fancy Greek word, right, that they teach people like me in seminary, right? an ontological change, the nature of our being shifted from being the people of judgment, the people who were judging ourselves and others by what we believed was right or wrong, or the people who got to create in their own heads what was right and wrong, to the people who were graced by God. When Adam and Eve sinned, the human human race became enemies of God, separated from God. But when Jesus brought grace, he restored mankind to the relationship that Adam and Eve had in the garden before the fall, so that we can walk with God, we can converse with God, we can share our lives with God we have been ontologically changed from being god's enemies to being god's friends our nature has changed there was a uh, there's a story about a a man who lived in a little european village and he was the only protestant in that village and that was not such a terribly bad thing. You know, everybody was friends with him. You know, he's, everybody took care of him. Nothing wrong there except during Lent. Lent created a problem because on Fridays, this individual happened to go out into his yard and he'd get out the barbecue grill, grill. you know, the Barbie, for our Australian friends. He'd get out the barbecue grill and he'd start grilling steaks. And all the Catholics in town smelled those steaks on the grill, and all they wanted steaks, and all they could have were, were fish. And suddenly they said, we've got to do something about this guy. So they said, well, let's just, let's just all gang up on him, and let's, let's convert him, let's bring him to the Catholic faith. And so being trained in friendship evangelism, they went out to um, his house, and they mowed his lawn for him, they, they took care of him, they, they, they did nice things for him, they kind of wooed him by love, which is the way Jesus teaches us to, right? They just loved him into the Catholic Church, and he decided he wanted to be a Catholic like all of his friends in town. So he went to the priest and said, I want to be a Catholic. And the priest said, great, let's take care of this. So he gets, all right, it's a little European village, okay? They had a little different tradition there. So he gets the holy water, and he begins sprinkling this man, and he says, you were born a Protestant you grew up a Protestant, but today I make you a Catholic. And he was Catholic. Well, don't you wish it was that easy, right? No, no six months of RCIA, right? So that's all it was. And so the priest asked him, is there anything I can do for you? And he said, yes, there is. Actually, I need some of that holy water. And the priest said, this is great. You know, I'm glad this, you know, he's already getting into it. He's understanding, you know, Catholic sacramentals, and he's going to you know, do all these wonderful, you know, things in in his home. So he gives him this big bucket of holy water. And the guy goes home, and it's Lent, it's Friday, and he, guess what he's doing? He's standing out in the backyard grilling steaks. And the townspeople all come to gather around and say, what are you doing? And he's got his holy water, he's going, you were born a cow, you grew up a cow, but today I make you a fish. (laughs) In the natural state of the fall of Adam and Eve, we became enemies of God. But Jesus on the cross, which is the tree of life, Jesus has brought us to the tree of life. If Adam and Eve gave us the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Jesus gave us the tree of life. And on the cross, in the sprinkling of His blood, He looks at us and He says, you were born an enemy of God, you grew up an enemy of God, but I make you God's friend. The story of these two temptations is, Adam through his disobedience made us enemies of God, but Christ through his obedience has made us God's friend. So we live lives free from judgment because the judgment of everything we have ever done, every thought we have had that was against God, every action we did that was against God, every word and everything we did not do, all of our sins, all of our separations from God, Jesus put to death on the cross to make us one with God again. So when you have those feelings of judgment, either towards another or towards yourself, remind yourself, Jesus made me God's friend. And when you think you're not good enough for God, that you're not measuring up for God, remember our liturgical, our our Eucharistic prayer declares, God has made us worthy, God has made us worthy to stand in His presence and minister to Him. We have been made friends of God through the sprinkling of the blood of Christ. Not not what we've done, but what He has done. And because it's based not upon what we have done, but upon what Christ has done, there is nothing we can do that will make God love us any less. And there's nothing we can do that will make God love us any more. God loves us with an infinite and unconditional love and makes us whole. For by the sprinkling of His blood, we are no longer enemies of God, but God's friends.